Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning. If you would stand, we'll continue with our song service. Romans chapter 10, verse number 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in whom, uh, in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. It's good to be in the Lord's house today. Look forward to the rest of our missions conference. Brother Marshall, so would you open us in a word of prayer? and singing hymn number 394 to the world.
Stamos again. We'll sing hymn number 
Again, we'll sing hymn number 196, I Will Sing the Wonder Story.
all the secrets he's kept from her so long they're finally known her big mistake that one regret that haunts her to this day it just won't fade so many different stories we thought could not be redeemed but it's against our darkest failures we start to see the beauty of the blood the goodness of this grace the mercy undeserved that could never be explained heaven's best takes all the scars for the worst in all of us that's the glory of the cross the wonder of his love that's the beauty of the blood what a thought that just a single drop forever wipes away our every stain and with its power every chain that held us now lies at our feet and we stand free that's the beauty of the blood the goodness of this grace the mercy undeserved that could never be explained heaven's best takes all the scars for the worst in all of us that's the glory of the cross the wonder of his love that's the beauty of the blood forever changed i stand amazed by everything it does that's the beauty of the blood the goodness of this grace the mercy undeserved that could never be explained heaven's best takes all the scars for the worst in all of us that's the glory of the cross the wonder of his love that's the glory of the cross the wonder of his love that's the beauty of the blood the beauty of the blood the beauty of the blood well here we are we're close to the end of our faith promise missions conference uh, it's been a great conference, and I've asked Brother Claude Slate to come join us uh, today. Um, Brother Slate pastored for years in Arkansas, and I actually uh, got to uh, be on an ordination council. I don't know if you remember Jeffrey Cooper's ordination council years ago, 
got to meet him then and uh, been able to observe his ministry. It's been a very fruitful uh, ministry they had there in Arkansas. I do want to break from that for just a moment. There was one other thing I wanted to do. We have some new parents with us. I wonder if the Gilsons would mind standing for just a minute. You know, we love you very much. This has not been an easy journey with you, but we just want you to know we love you. We're proud of you. Kids. Now back to Brother Slayton. <clears throat> Not new. <laughs> no announcements to be made, huh? Okay. Well, so I won't make that announcement for them. But I would wonder, would you mind escorting your wife down front for just a minute? Our ladies have a gift for her. They want to give her. Appreciate the ministry that Brother uh, Slay's had all these years. He's retired now. Uh, health issues uh, kind of forced him out of the ministry. He lives in my favorite part of the world for now, Branson. And so uh, we got to know them better when we were down preaching revival there this last year. And just felt love the Lord to have him come. I know blessings. Well, amen. Open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians, a very familiar passage at missions conference and stewardship conferences and what have you, but I want to turn there this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and I have thoroughly enjoyed the last few hours we've been here, starting with a banquet. That's a good way to win my heart right off the bat, right? And uh, I didn't know there was more multiple rooms, so I went to the Mexican room. That's all I needed. And uh, when you're from Texas, amen, you know how to eat Mexican food, so we enjoyed that last night, enjoyed the fellowship, and uh, just feel like we know a lot of you already, though we don't know many of you, but uh, preacher sitting there last night, there's a lady down that end of the table that served at Hillcrest, where I was at in the military back 40, a lot of years ago, and uh, then sitting next to me was a guy, 30-year veteran in the Army, I like that, amen, and uh, then I heard someone over this way talking about Brother Mike Pools up in Indiana, and we've been friends with them for many, many years. And, and I said, I guess you know Bubba and Melinda, and they said, they're like parents to us. And I'm thinking, no, oh, no, Bubba's like eight or nine years old, but uh, he grew up, I guess. And now he's a grandpa, I think. But anyway, uh, so I already feel at home. And then the music, my goodness, what a joy it's been this morning to enjoy the music, all the different instruments, these uh, Buglers over here, and the fiddler, and the saxophoner, and the keyboarders, and the pianist, and and the guys that tried to sing, and <laughs> they did awesome. I tell you what, I love music. What a blessing! You know, that's what church is. Church is all of us taking whatever talents and gifts that God gives us and using them together for His honor and glory. I saw your bulletin. I saw the servant list in there, the schedule. And so there's folks serving right now, taking their gifts, their talents, their abilities, and serving the Lord in various parts of the building. And God bless you for that, and, and what a wonderful place to be this morning. 
I always have to idle my motor a minute. I've been trying to do this, preacher, since I was nine or ten years old. I'm a fourth-generation Baptist preacher, so I've done it a long time. But I'm still nervous every time I get behind the pulpit. But I love places like this. You've got a good-sized one. I like that. This is a man-sized pulpit here. If it, things go bad, I can duck, and uh, that's not bad. And so uh, uh, just uh, what a joy to be here. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Let's read some verses together. I'm not sure what your custom is, but let's stand if you can for the reading of the Scripture this morning. And again, a very familiar passage, but uh, maybe, maybe a little different word from it this morning. We'll see. The Bible says, beginning in verse 1, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in great trial of affliction... The abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift. Now that word gift, you might circle or underline if you mark in your Bible, that's the same word as the word grace that we'll see eight more times in this passage. And so it's the same word there. So he says, receive the grace, receive the gift, and take upon us a fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Insomuch that we desired Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as you abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich." And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you, who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now therefore perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. For I mean not that other men be eased and ye burdened, but by an equality, that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there be equality. As it is written, he that hath gathered much had nothing over, and he that had gathered little had no lack. Let's ask God's blessings on his word. Heavenly Father, Lord, we've already been blessed this morning, and we thank you for that. Thank you for meeting with us. Your presence is here. And Lord, we ask you now to bless the reading of your word, and bless and anoint the message this morning. Lord, if the Holy Spirit doesn't touch the lips of this preacher and touch the ears of these hearers, then we're meeting in vain. We ask the Holy Spirit to minister to each of us individually, And Lord, may each of us hear that message from you that you would have us to hear. Lord, it's not possible for me to direct a message to every individual heart here. Lord, if I simply preach what you've given me, I believe the Holy Spirit can pinpoint it to each heart. 
And that's what I'm asking you to do. Please bless now to that end in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you and go ahead and be seated if you would. It's always a joy and, and exciting to be part of a missions conference. I'm probably doing more of that now than I did when I was pastoring, of course, as far as being out in, in missions conferences. But missions is the heart of God. And it's, uh, it's the purpose that Jesus came, if you would. And it's, it's not possible, though, for us as a church to talk about missions without us talking about the subject of giving. Uh, that's, that's part of it. I'm certain that you've been taught tithing over the years and possibly even this week. And no doubt this week, Faith Promise Missions has been emphasized. It's just a necessary part. I think back many, many years ago when I got into an independent Baptist church right after uh, being in the military, God moved us to Fort Bliss, Texas, and El Paso. And I wasn't there long. A friend of mine had joined with me. He and his wife had joined the same church with us just shortly after we did. And we weren't there but a little while. And uh, he said to me, he says, you know, he says, I think I'm going to go back over to such and such church because they don't talk so much about money. And he says, all they preach on around here is money. Now, you got to understand something. I was struggling with tithing at that time. I knew the truth of it. Man, I was taught when I was just a child uh, that tithing, that the tithe belonged to God, one dime out of every dollar. I knew the truth of it. But I was struggling with that as a young married man with our second child on the way. You know, I was in that category, you can't afford to tithe, preacher. And so I was struggling, but, but I thought about what my friend said, and I thought, wait a minute, I'm convicted also, but everything my preacher is telling me is the truth. Yeah. And I love truth. And truth sometimes steps on our toes, and it challenges us, and it also can motivate us. And so I opted to stay, and I'm so thankful now, 46 years later, that we stayed. We joined there, and I think it was November of 1976. We went to our first missions conference there at Hillcrest in, in the spring, probably right around Easter time of 1977, and that was our first introduction to Faith Promise Missions Giving. I grew up in the Southern Baptist Convention. My dad was a Southern Baptist pastor, and so we had Lottie Moon and Annie Armstrong. And I don't know about you if you're familiar with those ladies or not, but when I was a child, I used to pray to God that we could get them paid off. <laughs> but I understand that they're still not paid off. You know what I'm saying? They're still using those, and that's all right. But we got an independent Baptist, and it was Faith Promise Missions Giving. And what a joy it has been down through the years to be involved in faith promise missions. We have, over the, over the last 40 years of pastoring, we've been able to send out, I saw the, the film preacher was watching, and, and we've sent out at least a half a dozen uh, church-sponsored missionaries out to foreign fields, many of the fields that were shown here. And what a joy that is, and what a joy to be able to visit some of those fields. And, and I think back to that, and now then, 46 years later, here I am at this stage of life, having the opportunity to go out and encourage folks in the area of giving. And I know when I do that, there are folks here like there were when I was just a kid there in the military that are veterans of giving. You've given for years and years. You know the promises of God. You've experienced the blessings of God. You've watched as He's met your needs time and time again. There are others who are just getting into it, and there's possibly some here like we were when we first got into missions, just brand new to it and struggling with it and even rebelling some against it. And I pray that today's message can be a help 
to all that are here. I believe that giving kind of goes through phases for many of us. For some, it starts out as that tipping phase. You know, we kind of see an offering plate passed or we hear a message on giving and we get kindly under conviction, so we start tipping. I remember there when I was serving in the bus ministry, there was a man who was one of my bus drivers, and he'd gotten saved through the bus ministry. And uh, he was an old guy. He was probably 40 years old or so. You know, he was an old guy. And we were out laying a little bit of concrete one day, and Glenn said to me, he says, Hey, Brother Claude, this tithing stuff, he says, I don't want you to know I'm up to 8%. And I'm thinking to myself, you ain't tithing yet. You know what I'm saying? You're not quite there yet because the tithe is the tithe is the tithe, right? It's one tenth. And I could have nailed him, but I said, Brother Glenn, praise the Lord for that. Amen. Because uh, I've been there and done that. I knew that tipping part, right? And, and uh, what's that man, that brother growing? He's older than I am by quite a few years. And he became a trustee of the church and one of the best givers in the church. But it started out with tipping. It started out with just a little bit. And then it kind of goes to another level for, for many. It goes to tithing. We hear the truth of the Word of God. We understand that tithing, is, it is for us today as it was for the Old Testament. It's for us today, and so we learn to tithe, and so we give our tithe, or we pay our tithe, and we learn to give above and beyond that to missions and other such causes as that. And, and uh, so, so we learn to tithe, and, and we, we do that out of, out of obedience, if you would, to the Word of God But then there's another step, and that's what I want to talk about this morning, if I can, a little bit. And that's this matter of grace giving. Matter of grace giving. I never even really heard about that. It doesn't replace the tithe. It doesn't replace faith promise. It just kindly puts it all in perspective. It just kind of brings it all down to a reality to us. And and I trust it can be a help and a blessing to you this morning. Uh, We've proved the Lord through our faithfulness in tithing. We've proved the Lord as we continue to step out and give by faith in missions and other areas. And we've learned those great truths. But then we come to a passage like this and we come to understand that Paul, if you would, is even going a step beyond that as he talks about grace giving here in, our, in these two chapters, chapters 8 and 9. And that's what I want to talk about this morning is this matter of grace Giving in our text passage and continuing through the ninth chapter here, Paul deals greatly with this subject. He encourages the churches around the Mediterranean, these churches here of Macedonia, to contribute to a fund that other believers had already committed to and were giving to, and and some of the believers were suffering. I mean, they were having a hard time themselves, but they were finding a way to give to this cause, this cause of missions, if you would. And that's what we do, is it not? We find a way to give uh, as God leads us to do. And so he's encouraging them. In verse number four, he says to them, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Verses 13 and 14, he says, "I, I mean not that other men be eased and ye burdened. And so he's encouraging them in this gift. And then we get down to chapter nine. In verse number 12, and he says, For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. So Paul says, listen, uh, to the church at Corinth, you need to get involved in this. You need to be part of this offering that others are giving to. It seems as though the church at Corinth was a little bit slow getting on board. They had watched other churches get involved. They had noticed others had. But you know, sometimes when we're not participating in an offering, And I speak from experience, sadly. 
Sometimes when we're not participating in an offering, we can kind of feel guilty, right? Or maybe even feel a little bit frustrated. I, I can't count the times, especially as a young soldier, that, that the offering plate would go by or missions would come and I'd just feel guilty or I'd feel frustrated. And I've got to believe that's kind of where this church at Corinth was. I mean, I think they were struggling somewhat. And Paul's saying, listen, it's not about... It's not about all of that, it's about you growing in God. It's about you knowing the blessings of God. It's about you experiencing, if you would, the grace of God and passing that on. So they must have been a church that was going through a challenging time with this area of giving. You know, uh, he talks through here, we're to take care of those who minister in the Word. We understand that. Paul deals with that. We take care of our pastors, our, our preachers, our missionaries. But we also take care of those who have any need in chapter 9, verse number 1. And so that's what this offering was for, to help those who are in need. And he says in verse 1 of chapter 9, For as touching the ministering to the saints, it's superfluous for me to write unto you. That word superfluous just simply means needless. He says it's really not necessary that I write this to you again. You've already known this. You've already been taught this. But nonetheless, I'm going to say it, one more time, if you would. And that's what Missions Conference does, does it not? It reminds us every year. For many, it's superfluous. It's, it's not necessary. It's needless. But we can all use that gentle reminder and that encouragement in the Lord. Now, the premise of this section of Paul's letter is simply this. He's saying to them, you've experienced the grace of God toward yourselves. Now you should practice that same grace toward others. Did you, did you hear that? He says, you've experienced God's grace towards you. Now, don't miss this, because this is the crux of grace giving. He said, you've experienced God's grace towards you. Now then, you should practice God's grace toward others. And one way to do that is through giving. Now, we can, we can practice grace giving in many ways. I mean, when we give someone forgiveness, we're practicing grace toward them. And so there's many ways we can administer grace to others. But in this passage, he's talking about this matter of giving. And I think it's amazing to me the number of times, nine times, that Paul speaks of grace as he addresses the subject of giving. As he addresses the subject of giving, that word grace, I grew up hearing my dad and other preachers say that's unmerited favor of God. And indeed it is. And that's possibly the best definition we can give it grace is something God gives us that we don't deserve but Webster's 1828 goes a step further and he says it's unmerited favor of God but it's also God's influence on you so it's God's influence on you so here Paul says as God has influenced you as God has been gracious to you then you need to allow that grace to flow through you and you should be an instrument of grace to others. I only have a couple of points this morning. Isn't that nice to hear? You always put the fat guy on before eating time. Amen. That's, that's what you do because you know you're going to lunch on time, right? You get the big guy up. We're on our way to lunch. I got my watch. Wait, it's upside down. I got it right there. We'll be out of here on time. I want to give you two statements. Number one, grace giving, first of all, is motivated by God's grace toward us. Grace giving is motivated by God's grace. It's the natural response. It's the natural thing to do. You know, it, it often works this way in other relationships of life, does it not? I mean, the more grace that I show toward my wife, the more grace she tends to show toward me. 
The more grace I show toward my children, the more grace, it, it works that way. It's true on the job, is it not? The more grace you show toward co-workers, the more grace they tend to show towards you. And, and so, so it's a natural response that we have toward God. He's gracious to us, so we show grace as well. Now, tipping is also a response. It's normally a response to a guilty conscience. Tithing is also a response. It's normally a response to, to finally capturing the truth of the Word of God in the area of tithing. And so, so it's, a, it's a response. Grace giving is a response to God's abundant grace to us. Notice, if you would, again, in verse number 9 of our text, he says, For ye know, for ye know the grace, or excuse me, for the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. What's Paul saying here? He's simply saying this is, you know what God has done for you. You know how blessed you are because of God. Listen, Jesus Christ left heaven and came to earth of his own volition. Yes, he was sent of his Father, but he came and he died on the cross of Calvary of his own will. He laid down his life. What did he say? No man takes my life from me. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it up again. So Jesus Christ came to earth for us. So Paul says, you know that. You know the grace that God's shown to you. Now listen, I was raised in church, as I said, and, and uh, when I was five or six years old, like so many church kids, I, I prayed a prayer and I got baptized and started preaching when I was nine or ten. But through my teen years, I really struggled with that. I mean, I really went back and forth as so many young people, second generation Christians, if you will, or third or fourth or fifth generation Christians do. And, and I'd struggle with that and I'd talk to dad and, and dad would say, well, son, you know, um, look what you're doing. I mean, I'd already led folks to Christ. There's two things I knew when I was seven years old. I knew the Roman road of salvation and I knew the plan of Amway. I could go through the Amway plan. You know what I'm saying? I knew my dad was bivocational. I knew how to show you the circles of Amway, right? So I could do the Romans Road or I could show you Amway, whichever one you wanted to see. And so I knew all of that stuff. And, and so I understood that. And so dad said, look, uh, I, I led my first convert to the Lord when I was just a child. Richard Thornburg, I remember it to this day. And, and uh, countless other since and preached revivals as a teenager. But here I was in my heart struggling. And I would talk to dad and dad would take me to Psalm 51 and say, you lost the joy of your salvation. I say, that must be it. That must be it. But boy, I was struggling. Wife and I got married in, in December of 1973. I was still struggling. I was sitting right over here, not in that particular seat, but one just like it. 356 Dursher Lane, Fort Worth, Texas. I was about to preach. My, my dad was the pastor there and I was about to preach and they were singing the last song just before the message and, and I reached over and I touched dad. I said, I we got to go to the office. And we went to the office, and I knelt, back, knelt down in his office back there. I said, Dad, i got to get saved. He didn't argue with me. He didn't talk me out of it. He said, Son, you know what to do. I said, Yes, sir. And I knelt down, and I asked Christ into my heart. Ask him to forgive me of my sin. I got up off my knees, and Dad said, Son, do you want me to preach? I said, No, sir, i got something to say now. And I went out and opened my Bible to the Gospel of Luke, and I began to read through the the story of the crucifixion of Jesus, and I got down to that passage that says, and there they crucified him. And I want to tell you, nothing would come out. Reach a big old lump in my throat, tears flowing down my face. Nothing would come out. I knelt down finally behind the pulpit there to try to regain my composure, and, and I believe what happened for the first time in my life, it soaked into my thick skull 
that Christ died for me. And it became personal. Listen, I don't have to go far now. I can just, in memory's mind, I can go back to that night that Jesus saved me. And that's all Paul's saying here. He said, you know what God's done for you. You know that when you called upon Him, He forgave you of your sin. You know that when you ask Him to give you eternal life, He gave you everlasting life. He's simply saying there ought to be a natural response to that. There ought to be a natural response to the grace of God in your life. Paul had talked about the churches of Macedonia giving to him in verse number 4 and what have you. And he said, they, he said, they, they said we want to be part of your ministry. We want to have part in what you're doing and you're giving of yourself to others and you're giving of yourself to to the cause of Christ and we want to be part of that. Well, what is it? That's a natural response. My wife and I are getting ready to go back to Europe in in, uh, October and and I don't pastor anymore so I didn't know how I was going to work this thing out and so I've been making these pens and stuff and and so I, I never, I wondered why people would pay me for them. You know what I'm saying? especially the price those things are. I used to wonder, God put on my heart to donate the pens that I had to Him and to let them go out on a donation. And my face about like that. How about you? Huh? My face about like that. Can I tell you something that's been going on for about a month now? We're over halfway to Germany. And God's been blessing and meeting needs. And you know what I, what I realize? It's folks saying, hey, hey, Brother Claude, you're giving your life to the Lord. We won't have part in that. And that's what Paul's talking about here. He said, these other churches, they saw me giving my life to the Lord. That's what Paul said. He says, and, and they want you to have part, and you need to have part in that. And it's a natural response to grace. And, and it's true in so many walks of life. As parents, we experience that with our children. I, I don't know about you as parents, but I wanted to be equitable with my children. I didn't want to favor one over the other, but I failed at that. Because quite candidly, the one that was behaving the best got favored. I'm just telling you how it was. One was misbehaving. They didn't get the car keys quite as often. You know what I'm talking about? When I was pastoring, I wanted to be equitable. I I didn't want to favor my church family one over the other. When I was a young pastor in Alamogordo, New Mexico, and I was the old guy at 30 years old. I had a lot of young airmen there at Holloman Air Force Base, and one of the couples just kind of took to us real quick like, and, and so they would on Sunday afternoon, he'd, he'd say, hey, what are you doing after church tonight? And I'd say, well, we're going home. He goes, well, we'll be there. He says, we're going to come over and watch Alf. Anybody remember Alf? Right? He said, we're going to come over and watch Alf. And so, boy, they'd come over just about every Sunday night, and, and we'd have some fellowship, and, and it wasn't long I, I could hear some murmurings. No, he's favoring them. No, that wasn't it at all. That wasn't it at all. They're the ones that had put forth an extra effort, and they're the ones that had had shown an extra grace, if you would. And that's all Paul's saying here. Listen, we ought to respond to God's grace in our life. And grace giving, first of all, is motivated by God's grace. There's a a responsiveness in how how we live our lives based on the grace of God. Somebody says, well, if I believe like you Baptists, once saved, always saved. I'd get saved and live like I want to. Well, guess what? That's exactly what I've been doing for all these years. Man, I got saved and I'm living like I want to. There's a natural responsiveness. He died in my place, paid for my sin that I want to serve Him. I want to honor Him. So there's that natural responsiveness. Why, why do you often hear Peter, James, and John as being that inner circle? Why do we oftentimes hear of uh, Peter as 
kind of being closer to Christ than the others. And, and it seems like that's the case, is it not, as we go through the Scripture and what have you. Why, why, why is that? Could it be? Uh, could it have to do with their responsiveness to God's grace in their life? Could it be that they were the ones saying, can I go a little closer with you? Can I go a little further with you? Uh, I mean, stay here. Can, can we go just a little further with you? What, could it be that that was the grace they saw from Christ and that there was a responsiveness there? The more you comprehend God's grace towards you, the more you'll have a desire to respond in the giving of grace towards others. Do you remember the woman in Luke chapter 7? And the Bible says, Jesus says, she was a sinner. That was Jesus' analysis of her. He said she was a sinner. And she came and she began to, to wash Jesus' Uh, feet with her, with with, uh, with uh, wash his feet and then dry his feet with uh, with her hair and then she took that ointment and began to anoint her, his feet and and the Pharisees they didn't quite comprehend that and even the disciples were kindly having a hard time comprehending that and we get down to verse number thirty seven or verse number forty seven and and Jesus uh, says I say unto thee her sins which are many are forgiven for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. He says she's just responding to the grace she's experienced. In that same passage, he talks about a creditor that had two debtors. He said one debtor was forgiven of 500 talents and the other was forgiven of 50 pence. I'm sorry. And and, uh, which one do you think loved the most? And one of the disciples said, well, surely the one that was given of 500. And And he said, and it's the same in the spiritual realm as well. I used to wonder as a third, fourth, fifth generation Christian, why I didn't feel like I loved the Lord as much as maybe my dad did. My dad got saved out of the honky-tonks of Dallas. Now, his daddy was a preacher, but dad went astray, and and thank God it was all before I was born. I never knew that daddy, but dad was a a fighter in the honky-tonks. He was a boxer when he was in the army, and and dad was a mean dude, you know what I'm saying? And when he got saved, God turned his life around. He, He told me, he says, son, he goes, I quit drinking immediately. He says, and I lost 75% of my vocabulary. He said, I had to learn how to talk all over again. And, and God changed his life. And, and I looked at when I got saved and there wasn't a major change. I'd, I'd, I'd never smoked or drank or cursed. And so those things weren't there. And so it, it finally dawned on some of us who are second, third generation, maybe we didn't see that side of life. And, and if you didn't, bless God for that. And so we have to discipline ourselves to remind ourselves that he died for our sin just like that bad sinner out there. I mean, my sin was just as wicked in the eyes of God as my dad's sin was. And you know what I found once I realized how vile my sin was? Once I realized the payment that was required for my sin, then a response is that grace that he showed toward me Grace giving is giving that proceeds from a willing heart. I'm not going to take time to turn there, but, but we read it over and over again in Exodus chapter 35. They gave of themselves willingly. They gave from a willful heart. And over and over again, here in verse number 12 and verse 24, chapter 9, verse 2 and verse 7, they willingly did that. And that's what our, our giving ought to be today. It's a willing giving as God blesses and speaks to our hearts. So the first thing is grace giving is motivated by God's grace toward us. But secondly, notice this, grace giving is generous giving. Grace giving is generous giving. Grace giving is not accomplished through calculating 
how much you can get by with. It's not calculating the minimum. You know, we've all at one time in our life, maybe, you know, we got our paycheck, $483.72. And we'd figure that up, $483.72, $48.32. Okay, I'll round it up to 33 cents, right? And, and listen, that's just tithing. That's the law, right? And, and we ought to do that, by the way. If you're not tithing, you ought to do that. That's the right thing to do. Jesus commended it. The Apostle Paul went on to, to, to uh, teach it as well. So you ought to do that. But, but sometimes folks have the idea, I want to do what, what the minimum is. What is it that I must give? And, and that would be the strict giving of the, of the tithe. And Jesus commended it, as I said. And Paul says here, though, he said, we ought to be going beyond that. We ought to be exceeding that. That ought to be the starting place. That's just where we start. That, that tithe is simply a starting place in our, in our Christian life. Grace giving always exceeds the tithe. Always exceeds the tithe. Somebody, probably somebody sitting here thought like I may have as a young man. Some guy, hey, he's going to preach on grace giving. Maybe that's a different kind. Maybe I can get by with a little less, you know. Maybe with grace giving, I can get by on that 8% tithy, right? Maybe I can do that. You know, my grandpa didn't think tithing was... was uh, was New Testament. He was the old primitive Baptist sword. And by the way, before he died, he believed that tithing was New Testament. My dad challenged him on that. But he didn't believe when I was a child, my, my grandpa didn't believe tithing was New Testament. But he gave over 30% of his income. He was glad to cut back to tithing. <laughs> just, just kidding. So grace giving isn't a way to get out of something. Grace giving always exceeds the tithe. It always goes above and beyond. When we're involved in grace giving, we're looking for how we can do more, how we can give more. And, and my budget has changed slightly in retirement, needless to say. So I'm constantly looking for ways I can give that, that I might not otherwise be able to give. I started making these pens. I've made 625 of them in 15 months. Over 100 of them have been given out as gifts. And, and I just looked for ways. I was sitting at a, at a rest stop in um, Missouri, just coming back from Tulsa area over there, and I was sitting there in the rest stop, and, and there was this Marine guy, retired Marine, I was assuming, had a hat on and everything, and he's on a walker, just barely getting around, his daughter or somebody helping him around a little bit. And, and he was this small man, and I'm not that small, and, and I had a Marine pin in the back of my truck, our, our little Equinox here that I drive, and so... So I got out of my car, not even thinking about scaring this guy to death. I get out of my car and I said, hey, are you a Marine? You don't ask them if they're a former Marine. Right? Once a Marine, always a Marine. Any Marines in here, right? You don't ask them if you're a former Marine, right? So I, so I said, are you a Marine? He says, yes, sir. I said, I got something for you. Then this was even dumber, preacher. I went around behind my car and opened the back of it. And he, his eyes are about that big around and... And I'm digging around the back of my car, and I pull out that Marine pen, and I go around there. I said, the Lord just impressed on my heart to give this to you. And I gave him that Marine. I don't know his name. He, don't, he may know my name. I did give him a card that went with the pen. But, but that wasn't the purpose of it. Just looking for a way to give. And listen, I've found that if you'll just look for a way to give, God will find a way. I pastored a guy in Illinois. His name was Dwight. And I was preaching on missions. We was having our missions conference. And Dwight worked at what we called a junkyard. I don't know if we still call them that now. It may not be right anymore. But they were junkyards. You know what I'm saying? And 
And he, he, that's where he worked, just a common blue-collar laborer. And he put down an unbelievable amount on his faith promise missions. And so I don't, I've never done this before or since, but I went to him. I said, Dwight, I said, maybe you misunderstood. He goes, mind your own business, preacher. <laughs> I said, okay. And, I, and, and he says, God, he said, I wrote that down because that's what God told me to write down. He goes, I don't know how I'm going to give it yet. He said, that's up to the Lord. Did you know about 90 days later he had paid his full commitment? I'm talking about several thousands of dollars. He had paid, and this is back in the, in the late 80s or so. He had paid his full commitment. And I said, Dwight, what in the world did you do? He said, well, you know, I work out there at that, um, at that junkyard. He goes, and we're always hiring people to fix our flat tires. They get a lot of flat tires on their heavy equipment and stuff. He goes, so I went to the boss and said, can I take the flat tires home with me, and you pay me what you were going to pay them. And so for a few months, a few months he took those flat tires home, and he, he did that at night. I mean, the old manual way, any of you that have broken down tires like some of us have, that's a hard task, and he'd do that at night. But he raised his faith promise missions. He said, that's what God told me to do, and Praise the Lord, 90 days is done. So the next year rolls around and there's another big number. I didn't go ask him nothing. But I watched and after it all happened in a few, few weeks, I went to him. I said, Dwight, what happened? How? I'm just curious. Every year now, I want to know. He says, well, I was driving down the interstate. He goes, and they're changing out all those light poles out there on the interstate. He goes, so I, I saw some of the workers out and I went out there and I found the supervisor. I said, what are you going to do with those old poles? They said, well, we're just going to haul them off. He says, can I have them? And he went and gathered up all those huge old light poles, took them to his junkyard, <laughs> and scrapped those things and got thousands of dollars and put that in faith promise missions. I'm just saying grace giving says, how can I do this? I just want to give. That God can, God's going to take care. I, I don't want to bore you with illustration after illustration. One of my favorites is this. It goes back a few years but I'd have made a mistake, and, and uh, long story short, I owned two houses at one time and two mortgages at one time, and I was pastoring down there in Rogers, and, and boy, it was a struggle every month. It was just a dumb, I wasn't trying to own two, it just happened, okay? <laughs> when you're dumb, it happens like that, stuff happens. And so, anyway, I was, here I had these two houses. So we were struggling month after month after month. Well, we had a children's offering coming up. And so I had some a bucket of coins back in my closet, and... and um, that's for the grandkids, you know, and so I had those coins. I'm back there, and I'm getting those coins, putting them in my pocket, and my wife, I love it when I get to preach, because I can make myself out to be spiritual, and her not so spiritual, and uh, truth being known, it's the other way, but this time, I got to be the spiritual one, and so I'm back there, I'm putting this money in my pocket. She goes, what are you doing? I said, got to give this away. She goes, that's the grandkids' money. I said, not anymore. Got to give it away, and, and she says, why? Well, I said, honey, I said, I need a lot of money. I said, I know how to get it. Man, I took that money and I gave some to her and we took that that night and we're putting it in. Kids kept coming. We kept putting that in. We're just grinning. Nobody had a clue. Nobody but me and her knew what was going on. We're just giving this money away. That night, preacher, one of my men came up. They never did this, but here they came that night. And he says, preacher, let me show you something. He goes, here's today's attendance in Sunday school and here's the attendance to, in church this morning and here's the attendance tonight. And I'm going, okay, that's Monday's report, you know. And here's the uh, offering today. And here's the missions today. And he kind of moved his hand and he goes, and there's this. He said, special offering for preacher, $1,000.
And I just began to cry. I thought, only God. Only God. $1,000. Guess what my second mortgage payment was? It took all of it. <laughs> but God provided. And I could tell stories like that over and over and over again. God's not going to be a debtor to any man. Now, I'll tell you how it worked when I started tithing. I'd hear stories like that, and I'd start tithing. I'd hear about how so-and-so started tithing. They went home, got a check from Aunt Gertrude for $500, you know. So I thought, well, I'll try that. I was in the military, so I started tithing, went to the mailbox the next day, and I don't have an Aunt Gertrude. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It just didn't work like that for me. And so, so I'm just telling you, I tried that a few times. It just didn't work like that. But I practiced that and practiced that and practiced that. And listen, God's not going to be a debtor. Grace giving is, is not saying how little can I get by with. Grace giving is saying what else can I give to? What else can I, what else can I give? Romans chapter 5 verse 19 says, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the disobedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Go read that chapter. I didn't highlight all the verses, but it's grace, grace, grace. And then Paul gets down to the end. He says, I want you to exceed in this ministry also. What, what ministry is he talking about? What gift is he talking about? He's talking about that gift of giving, grace giving. He says, I want you to excel in this matter. Listen, my, my heart's desire today is that somebody will get a hold of this. And maybe you've tithed and maybe you've given a mission, but God speaks to your heart today. Say, you know, I'm not going to quit tithing. I'm not going to quit giving to missions, but I want to go another step. I want to start looking for ways to give. I want to start looking for needs that I can answer. I want to start seeing what I can do to give away. I'm thinking about, and I could get tied up and I'll not do it, but I'm thinking about right now a couple that we helped an awful lot when I was pastoring down there. And now then we're getting ready to go to Germany and time and time and time again. This morning I woke up and she said, you can go read my Facebook page. I've got all those pins posted. She goes, I want this one, I want this one, I want this one, I want this one, I want this one. And that's like the third time she's done that. I want this one, I want this one, I want this one. And I look back to the years that I pastored and the investment we made and the giving we did and God saying, I'm going to give it back to you. You give yourself. God says, I'll take care of you. Listen, grace giving is accomplished according to our willingness of heart and our desire to serve Him. And, and it, it's, it's to be a generous giving. Tithing is a wonderful Bible truth. And I believe is a New Testament truth as well as Old Testament truth. But Paul spent more time on grace giving than he did on tithing. Why? Because grace giving goes beyond the tithe. Notice one more verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. Therefore, as you abound in everything, in faith, and utterance, and knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. Most of us would go through that list and say, oh, I want to abound in faith. I want to abound in my ability to give the gospel out in utterance. I want to abound in knowledge. I want to understand more of the word of God. And he goes through that list, but he says, don't forget this. See that you abound in this grace 
also. He's saying you're growing in so many ways. You're excelling in so many ways in your Christian life. Grow in this grace also. Let me say this this morning. There may be someone here today who's a visitor. Or maybe you're a regular attendee. But you've never been born again. You've never been saved. If you were to die today, you're not certain that heaven is your home. Listen, that's a miserable place to be. I remember all those years that I'd go to bed at night and I'd pray something like this, Oh God, I don't want to go to hell. Oh Lord, I want to go to heaven. And I'd pray something like this. What God was looking for was that March of 1974 when I gave him my life. See, he's not asking, we're talking about grace giving. You can give all the money you want to give and die and spend eternity in hell. You can give away your life savings and die and perish separated from God. God's not one, if you're unsaved, he's not asking you for your money this morning. He wants your life. He wants your trust. He wants you to come to him this morning just as I did so many years ago and present yourself to him and admit to him you're a sinner. You know you are. We're all sinners. All have sinned come short of the glory of God. We've all failed in glorifying God. So, so you know you're a sinner just as I know I'm a sinner. He wants you to come acknowledge that to him and ask him to forgive you. Just ask him to forgive He's already paid your sin debt. Ask him to apply it to your account. Would you do that this morning? Let's stand our feet. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Because I... I've never been here. I don't know you. You don't know me. So I I need your help with the invitation. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes, but I'm going to look around and watch. I'm going to ask two or three questions. First of all, I'm going to ask this morning, maybe God's spoken to your heart about this matter of giving, and I want to pray for you and with you in a moment. And, And it may have to do with tithing. It may have to do with your specific faith promise a commitment that, that uh, you're making to the Lord this week. It, it may have to do with this grace giving, but some area of giving that God's spoken to your heart about this week and maybe even this morning. And you'd say, Brother Claude, would you pray with me and for me about that? Would you slip your hand up all over the house and say, would you pray with me about that? I want to give. I want to honor the Lord in that area of my life. God bless you throughout the house. Then I want to ask you this. Let's move to the more important matters if I might. You're here this morning. You'd say, Brother Claude, if I died today, in my mind, I can go to a place just like you did for that place and point where I received Christ as my Savior. I don't, I don't know that we have to know the date that it happened. I don't know the date I was saved. I can narrow it down. It was in March. It was 1974. It was on a Sunday. So I can narrow it down to one of four days. But, but I don't know the date. But I can tell you this. I can go to the place in my mind. And I believe if you're saved, you can go to that time and place that you received Christ, because it's a decision that you make. And you're here this morning say, Preacher, I, I can go to that place in my mind, and if I were to die today, I know without a doubt that heaven's my home. Would you just lift your hand in there, just real high? Say, Preacher, I know that I know that I know that I'm saved. God bless you, you may put them down. I didn't see every hand up. I wonder if there's one or more that's just like I was as a 19-year-old young man. And you'd say this morning, Preacher, if I died today, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not certain that heaven is my home. Could I pray for you before we go into the invitation? Would you just slip your hand up and say, Preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure I'm saved. Is there one like that this morning? A young person, an adult, maybe a grandma or a grandpa just say, Preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. Is there one? Just while we tarry for a moment. Heavenly Father, this morning you've seen the hearts and you've seen the hands.
God, I pray that your word has been preached and that the Holy Spirit has applied it to hearts. God, help us this morning to yield ourselves to you in this area of giving. Help us, Lord, to to grow in this grace as well as in the other areas of our Christian life. Bless to that end. And then, Lord, just if there is one here that's not saved, I didn't see any hands, but, Lord, if there is one that's not saved, may the Holy Spirit draw them to Christ that they might be saved before it's too late. Bless now this invitation, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. The musicians have come. God's spoken to your heart this morning. I don't know how you normally do invitation, but there's an altar here. God's spoken to your heart. Would you make use of this altar this morning? Maybe make a commitment here as God's spoken to you. church and so if you would be seated for just a minute uh, we're going to have ushers come they have uh, the offering plates they're going to pass those and inside of those plates are these faith promise commitment cards and uh, so guys go ahead and oh I, some of them are going to hand them out by hand I guess so anyhow they're going to have them for you uh, and I'd, for, so for church members uh, you're interested in having a part I'd encourage you to get one and uh, they're a tear apart card, uh, and so uh, you get your card, and then uh, on one side there's uh, different numbers, and it says mark or circle uh, one square for total, and so hopefully you've been praying about this uh, all week at least, and uh, we've been talking about it for over a month now, so hopefully you've had time to pray and you've decided uh, between you and God what he would have you to do. And so uh, the first thing you'd do is you'd find uh, one of these blocks. And if the number that you wanted to give, say you wanted to give $75, then you'd use the top one, darken that in, and write a 75. Um, and so you can mark uh, which one. And then down below that is how often you're going to give it, whether you're going to give that weekly or biweekly or monthly. Um, that that would be uh, totally up to you. We've, I had one... Uh, individual I was talking to and he said I'd like to just give a lump sum I said that's fine you can do that just write in lump sum and uh, they'll be watching for that to come through 
uh, use the offering envelope on missions. You just put in uh, that amount, and that would be a blessing uh, to go to missions. And so you pick an amount. You pick how you're going to give it, and uh, then you can tear it apart, okay? That. It's scored, so you could twist it, tear it apart. The small one, we'd like for you to give back, and the big one you can keep, keep it in your Bible, take it home, put it on your fridge or wherever you want to keep it so you can be reminded of what uh, you promised to give to the Lord. And so if you'd go ahead and mark those, then we'll have the ushers come back. And though they're, they're going to bring their offering plates, they're going to pass those. Uh, Miss Metzner is going to play something on the piano. And they're bring those offering plates back and pick these up. things uh, as we get ready to dismiss um, prayer area here's pretty full uh, we need to add Shirley Philhauer if you pray for her broke her hip and uh, still in the hospital be going to rehab this week uh, pray for uh, Sherry Lamb and the Lamb family uh, her father-in-law uh, went to be with the Lord as brother Steve's dad so if you would uh, pray for the family there pray for Miss Mary um, Steve's mother uh, as they make this adjustment and so forth. Then pray also for Annabeth uh, Nablo. She's going to be having surgery this week. We've been mentioning her on Wednesday nights. There, she was a preemie and they have to go in and put some rods in her chest to help that open up for her development uh, for her organs and stuff. And so uh, they'll be going in doing that surgery. And so if you would remember to pray for Annabeth, I know uh, the family sure appreciate your prayers there. Let's go ahead and stand. We're going to be dismissed in prayer. I'd like for Slates to go ahead and go back uh, to his table. Uh, as he mentioned, he has those pens available. And if you're interested in one, you can stop by. Uh, and I'd like for the Scufflums to go ahead and go back to their table also and uh, be there. And uh, then uh, have the Marinos join me at the back. And uh, we'll shake your hands good to be in the lord's house today lord bless you for being here um brother logan peterson closes in